Well, we are, uh, in some sense, beginning this series today, The Bride. And if you were not familiar or not familiar with uh, Christianity or the story of the Bible or even the church, throughout the scriptures, the church, God's people, not a building, are referred to as the Bride of Christ, which means then that Jesus Christ is our groom. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring a little bit more about what is this be, be, the, what is the church, the big C church. Church. Uh, what has the church been given? What is the church's responsibility? Um, what about uh, its uh, leadership? Uh, do we have elders? Do we have deacons? What about membership? All of these sorts of things. We're just going to kind of open up the doors because in some sense and in very much reality as well, the church has been under fire. And I think in, in many ways, the church has been under fire for a lot of um, good reasons. In some sense, we have uh, not been uh, who we have claimed to be. And so we want to have conversations about this, but you're also seeing uh, quite a number of people walk away from the church and say, well, I've got Jesus, I don't need the church. And so we also want to talk about that. What does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be part of a local church? And is, what is the church called to be? And what is the local church called to do? And so we're going to do things a little bit out of order. I would have probably done this message a bit later in the series, but because we have the opportunity this morning to baptize a couple of individuals, I thought we would dig in here talking about a couple of the practices of a church or in religious terms, ordinances or sacraments. Now you might be saying, what does ordinance and what does sacraments mean? And so here are the definitions of an ordinance and sacrament. Very similar. A religious ritual, this is ordinance, whose intent is to demonstrate an adherence faith. A sacrament is a visible symbol of the reality of God as well as a channel for God's grace. And in an evangelical church, in our church, we believe that there have been two ordinances, there have been two sacraments given to the local church. And one is communion, which we will touch on later in this series. What is communion? We'll explore that a little bit more. And then the other one is baptism. And baptism is what we are talking about today. Now, if you have grown up in the church, you're very familiar with uh, baptism, uh, you maybe don't recognize the oddity that it is. And so let me illustrate. Imagine you are, uh, we take this tank and we place it outside and we're doing what we're going to be doing in a little bit and people drive by and they have no sort of understanding of what it is that we're doing. Would that not come off a little bit odd? What are those people doing? Are they having a public bath? What is, what is that all about? Um, so it's important to, at least in some sense to explore why is it that we are doing this. The other thing is that, that many of us have different church backgrounds, and so maybe baptism was therefore practiced in a few different ways. And so we certainly this morning, and I want to answer the question of why do we baptize in the way that we are going to this morning. The other thing that you may not realize about this particular church is we are part of a Baptist denomination. And so what that means is that in order to be a member of our local church, it means a number of different things, but one of the realities is that to be a member of this particular church, you need to be baptized. This is part of Baptistic theology. And so baptism means something significant uh, in the life of the church and in particular the life of this church. And so what is baptism? That's the question we are going to answer today. Well, to begin that, let's go to Matthew 3. Matthew 3. You could also, for reference, go to Mark 1, Luke 3, and John 3. We're not going to look at Matthew 3 specifically, but the idea there is John the Baptist. Here's his message. He says, repent, repent. 
for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he says, be baptized. So he begins, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, be baptized. Now the word for repent means to change one's mind. It's a change in a person's attitude towards God that impacts one's actions and life choices. It's to turn from one way of life and then to go in the other direction. This is what John the Baptist preaches. Repent, turn from the way that you are thinking, go in another direction. And then he instructs for people to be baptized. And this is the Greek word, baptizo. Turn to your neighbor and say, baptizo. And to baptizo means to dip in and under or to immerse. Now in the Old Testament, the word for baptism was a common used a commonly used word uh, for everyday life, essentially meaning to immerse. In the Old Testament, water was seen as a purifier and as a cleanser. The law of Moses required washings on the part of priests following certain sacrifices and on certain individuals who were unclean. Water was also seen in the Old Testament as a spiritual cleansing. But the invitation of John for individuals to be baptized is not for a religious or ritual purification, but it's about a moral and ethical decision as someone is declaring repentance and they're saying that they have been forgiven of their sins. And those are the things that are the prerequisites for someone to then go and be baptized. Let's dig in then to the New Testament, other places where baptism appears. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, the Great Commission. Jesus to his followers, very familiar to many of us on the screen. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is very basic, right? This is Jesus' instructions to his followers. Go, make disciples. And what are they to be, have happened? They are to be baptized into their new identity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If we go to Acts, Acts 2, verses 38 and 41. And Peter said to them, to this crowd of 3,000 or more, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Imagine that baptism service or opportunity. How about a eunuch in Acts 8, verses 35 to 38? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. He immersed him in water. Acts 10, 46b to 48, this is Cornelius and his household. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Acts 16, 29 to 31, and then verse 33, there is a jailer here and his family. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he, the jailer, brought them out and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. 
How about Acts 19, verses 4 to 5? And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe the one who has come after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were immersed. So based on these texts, as well as we look at the other scriptures that we can refer to, what do we know about baptism? What is it about? Why do we baptize? Well, firstly, baptism is for those— This answers the question of who. Baptism is for those who've repented of their sin and they have put their faith in Jesus. All baptism in the New Testament is practiced by those who had first repented of sin and put their faith in Jesus. There's an order here. It's repent, believe, be baptized. So while the Bible does record occurrences where entire households were baptized— The Bible also records that the members of the households believed in Jesus Christ and therefore were saved, and therefore then what they did is that they were baptized. Secondly, baptism is an act of radical surrender and obedience to Jesus. Some might say it's it's the first act of obedience and submission after someone believes in Jesus and repents of sin. And it may make little sense to the world. This is sort of the radical reality of it all, right? That is, somebody's driving by, they're seeing, like, what is going on here? It's what followers of Jesus are commanded by Jesus to do. Go, therefore, make disciples and baptize them. So it's an act of radical surrender and obedience to Jesus. Both Jesus and his apostles give the command for disciples to be baptized as an expression of their discipleship. It's important at this point also to say that baptism does not equal salvation. There is this idea out there and certainly practice that if you are baptized, if you are christened, then you are saved. But baptism does not equal salvation. What do we read in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. As well, remember from the text that the Philippian jailer asked what he must do to be saved. And the response is, not be baptized. The response is, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Or how about, you could also look to the thief on the cross. He was not baptized, yet Jesus said that he would be with him in paradise. So though it is not the requirement for salvation, it should still be practiced. It is an opportunity for an outward testimony as an individual is saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I have repented of my sin. I've turned in another direction. I'm walking in the ways of Jesus and I've trusted him. Thirdly, baptism is a picture of the gospel as an individual is personally identifying with the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, a visible sign of an invisible spiritual reality. Another way of putting putting that is it's an outward witness of an inward faith. Look into some scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is symbolized when we baptize someone, as we will all witness this morning, that they sit, in this case, in the water. They are baptized, immersed, and they come out of the water in the newness of life that is is simply a symbol of that spiritual reality. Colossians 2, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, 
him in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Romans 6 verse 4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so once again, you think life, death, resurrection, a symbol pointing to us to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then fourthly, uh, baptism, as we see, is practiced in the scripture as immersion. Therefore, within our local church and within Baptistic tradition, as well as other evangelical churches, therefore we immerse. John the baptized, baptized in the Jordan River, Mark 1 verse 5. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan and came out of the water, Mark 1 verses 9 to 10. John baptized at Anan near Salem where there was plenty of water, John 3, verse 23. Now, while there are records in the history of the church of baptism happening in different ways or by different means, the common practice in the scriptures as we read it is by immersion, as someone has repented of their sin and turned and believed in Jesus. Now, I know that there are those within our church family who have an experience of being christened as infants or being baptized by a different mode as adults. And I totally understand why, why a number of you have chosen not to, um, to be baptized by immersion because of your practice and because you don't want to feel like you've illegitimized the experience. However, in our church, the practice of our local church is baptism by immersion as we see uh, it in the scriptures. Fifthly, Baptism encourages the church and it glorifies God. And I think we can all attest to this, right? That on Baptism Sunday, we are pumped. Um, it, it, everyone gets really excited if you're another follower of Jesus because it's like, yes, yes. In our time, in our day, in our age, we are excited. People are turning from their sin. They're repenting. They're following Jesus and they're declaring it. It is so exciting. And so baptism encourages the church and it glorifies God. It points people to Jesus. And then sixthly, Makes sense as it glorifies God. Baptism is all about Jesus. Without Jesus and his resurrection, baptism would just be bath time. I mean, purely. Without Jesus and his resurrection, baptism would just purely be bath time. It wouldn't mean anything at all. Life, death, resurrection. It's all about Jesus and someone's life change that they have experienced in and through Christ. And so we are excited as a local church that we get to practice baptism. I remember when I was 12. So sometimes the question is, well, how old do you need to be? Um, certainly as parents, that is, that is a great question. We have a resource, a book that we recommend parents go through with their children to help them come to an understanding. Okay, have you, do you truly understand what you're doing? Is it the time in your life to make this a reality? Uh, in my research and reading this week, there was a, an expectation, as I think it's a wise one, that as it relates to kids and it relates to baptism, that there is an, an entering into the Christian community. And certainly baptism is that, right? Someone professing their individual faith, but they're also being welcomed into to the Christian community, and now the Christian community is going, oh, you're a follower of Jesus. And so there is this accountability that happens in that sense. And so certainly we would want someone to be at an age where they recognize that uh, reality of their baptism, that they are being welcomed into a Christian community, and that that Christian community is therefore coming alongside them in their faith. So we don't want to completely separate it as an individual experience. We want people to experience it, obviously, as life, also as part of a community. But I remember when I was uh, 12. I was baptized on February the 6th, 2000. And you might go, wow, that you really remember that date. Well, it's my mother's birthday, and then it's the year 2000. And so it's a bit simpler for me to remember. But I was baptized on that date. And I remember um, 
the, sort of the way that I kind of came to be baptized uh, was obviously a, purely, a, a personal decision after I'd followed Christ, hence what I've said today. But I remember I was sitting there doing uh, the overheads in my, in my church when I was growing up. Um, some of you remember, do you, do you remember what an overhead projector is? Just give me like a nod. You're like, yeah, it's an overhead projector. But I was, uh, so rather than pushing the button, thank you, Joel, for, for doing that for us this morning, uh, there was like pieces of, I'm, I'm not sure how much I need to describe this, but uh, it's sort of a difficult thing to describe, like clear, transparent paper that had uh, the words on them, and then you'd put them on this overhead projector, and the light would come from one end, and then a magnifying thing at the top, like it was quite a system, and then you'd put it onto the wall, right? And so I was in charge of um, sitting like way up front where everyone could watch you mess up and also do it right and uh you know switching it up and i remember it was announced that there was going to be a baptism service and i just i i kept thinking like i think i need to do that i think i need to do that i think i need to do that it's like the spirit was convicting me i, I think you need to do that and i totally messed up the overheads for that morning and so my parents were like what happened up there it's like i think i need to be baptized oh great well don't worry about messing it up like and, and that doesn't mean that at that point, at, you know, at 12 is going forward that I, that I had everything figured out, that I was, that, you know, like baptism, some people say, well, I'm, I'm not ready. Well, if you've, if you've rented of your sin and believed in Jesus, you're ready. You're, you're not declaring perfection in the tank. You're saying, I trust Jesus for my perfection. He was perfect, so I don't have to be. I certainly want to follow him, and I need the accountability of my Christian community, but I've decided to follow Jesus. So as far as readiness, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, if you've turned from yourself and said, Jesus, I want to follow you, then it's time to be baptized. 